This is our last Shabbat before the Jewish New Year. Next week that we'll meet will be 5776. Rosh Hashanah, Sunday evening, is the birthday of the world. Unlike other Jewish festivals, all the other Jewish festivals that are rooted in some kind of historical event that occurred to the Jewish people, the High Holy Days are about humanity at large. The center of the ten days of repentance is the world itself. On Rosh Hashanah, we say to the world, Happy Birthday! Now most of us from our earliest childhood celebrate birthdays the same way, year after year, every year, with friends and family. If we mark birthdays alone, if we do not have people we cherish to share our day, it's still our birthday. That doesn't change. But it's not usually a happy birthday. For sure, some people like to be alone. But to be alone on your birthday, to have no one to celebrate with, not to receive even a phone call or a text message, or an email, or even the way primitive men used to do it by birthday card snail mail. To have no one with whom to acknowledge the day. It's a bit sad. Human fellowship, companionship, people who care about you and you about them, these are what give meaning to our most meaningful days. It's hard to conceive of a birthday celebrated alone. And so it is on the birthday of the world. Human fellowship gives meaning to the most meaningful moments of the High Holy Days. It's hard to conceive of the birthday of the world completely isolated from the world, oblivious to the fellowship of the human race. On Rosh Hashanah especially, on our common birthday, we should want human contact. Not only contact with the Jewish people, but with all people. We should feel the bonds of common human experiences. How can we celebrate humanity's birthday isolated from humanity, vegetating in our own little corner of the world. It's a bit sad, no? And even if we take a casual glance at the state of the world, it's hard to characterize this year's birthday of the world as happy. So many are miserable. Half the world lives in extreme poverty. Tens of millions are enduring war. Millions are homeless. Waves of refugees crashing on the shores of the free lands where along with some inspiring, even exhilarating acts of kindness and generosity, so many are incapable of even comprehending the suffering of fellow human beings. For some reason, we are constructed this way. Perhaps it's a defense mechanism. 
Perhaps it is the only way that we can preserve our sanity, but the awful truth of the human condition is that we are easily able to turn away from the problems of others and are easily able to convince ourselves that it is not our problem and not our responsibility. To turn away is contrary to every principle Judaism represents. Since there is a human tendency to ignore the needs of others, Judaism is especially emphatic in its teachings. Do not stand idly by while your neighbor suffers, the Torah proclaims. Love your neighbor as yourself. This is the greatest principle of the Torah, Akiva teaches. If there is a needy person among you, do not harden your heart and shut your hand against them, we read in Deuteronomy. Rather, open your hand and give him whatever he needs. Hospitality is even greater than the divine presence, Rabbi Judah teaches in the Talmud. Whoever is not merciful to others cannot be considered a descendant of Abraham. Fortunate and successful people tend to think very highly of themselves. On Rosh Hashanah, we will recite prayers of gratitude to God that we were created supreme over all creation, as our tradition states, little less than angels. That's how we often see ourselves, heavenly. But the truth is, if we are the highest of all creation, if we human beings are little less than angels, it doesn't really bear too well on the angels. We might confess our humility in the morning. We are nothing, O oh God. Our origin is dust, and dust is our destination. But we don't really mean it. Upon completions of the prayers, we go home for an afternoon feast. We are much more willing to proclaim our nothingness than to actually live with nothing. We might plead for health, well-being, and prosperity in the morning. Avinu Malkenu, have mercy upon us. But upon completion of the prayers, we go home to our afternoon nap in our sheets of satin, knowing that much of humanity doesn't even have a bed. We are much more willing to request mercy for ourselves than to dispense mercy to others. We have become experts in tolerating pain of others. Today is 9-11. This day represents a human fellowship deficit. If you feel the common bonds of the human experience, if you truly identify with fellow human beings, you could not bring yourself to murder thousands of innocent people whom you do not even know. You can only murder 
or stand idly by to murder. If you have removed the victim from your concerns, they are for you not part of the fellowship of humanity. The essential message of religion and among the core ideas of the High Holy Days is that to be human is to be in covenant with fellow human beings. My life is wrapped in her life. My destiny is wrapped in his. And therefore, the solution to our innumerable human challenges does not start with economic or political policy. Policies follow values. It's our worldview that comes first. The solution Judaism urges is to overcome our tendency to ignore or exploit or dominate fellow human beings and consider them our partners with whom we celebrate our common birthday at the set of the sun on Sunday. It would hardly be a birthday if we did not have humanity with whom to celebrate. If we had a humane approach to humanity, all the other forces, economic, political, policy, they would fall into place. It's harder today to develop a sense of fellowship with all creation. It's harder for us to feel the pain of others and to have mercy upon them. It's harder for us today to develop a sense of solidarity that binds all humanity. It's harder for us. It's harder for us because we live such isolated and fragmented lives today. More than ever before, individuality is both exhibited and hidden at the same time. We live in an era of practically limitless self-expression, but it's hard to find the core me. The real me is hidden under layers of the modern, artificial, ambitious, social media, verbally effusive, verbose of me. We are trained from birth to succeed. And success in America is built on steamrollering over all of the obstacles in our way. And then, as D.H. Lawrence observed, the sympathetic heart is broken. The will to success, the will to produce, becomes indomitable. The spirit and the will survive, but something in the soul perishes. The softness, the floweriness, the tenderness, the instinctive belief that people and the universe itself are ultimately kind. And thus, Lawrence observed that Americans came to believe that it is not even God's business to be good and kind. It's God's business to be indomitable. And man's business is essentially the same. 
The high holy days are meant to give us time to struggle with ourselves, to fight against our internal dehumanization and our tendency to dehumanize humanity. We seek to reassert what we hope is our fundamental human condition, instinctive kindness and empathy. And if not that, at least to regulate our behavior so that our acts are kind. This is the central struggle of free people. The slave struggles only to get through the day. The poor struggles only to find the next meal. But those who are prosperous and free must wage an internal battle every day. How to achieve maximum self-fulfillment while maintaining our essential humanity. The outcome of this struggle will determine the possession of our soul. Shana tova umetuka. I wish you and all of our community a good year, a year of health, joy, and accomplishment, a year of friendship and celebration with fellow human beings. And we pray that this year may be a year of peace. <laughs>